Hey, this is Empowerment Coach Ashley Baxter, host of the Courageous Word Podcast. However, this particular episode is for my old show, the Restoring Heart Podcast. Although I removed most of the 30 episodes from that show, there were seven that I could not part with, and this is one of them. You can feel free to listen to it or skip ahead until you get to the first episode of the Courageous Worth podcast, which is entitled Helping You Live with Courageous Worth. FYI, if you do continue to listen to this episode of my old podcast, know that my business has undergone many changes since then. So some things mentioned may no longer apply. For example, my social media handle and website names have changed. Today, you can find me on social media platforms at the Ashley Baxter, and my website is theashleybaxter.com. Okay, you're still here, so I'm guessing you're about to listen to this episode. This particular episode is one of four in a series I did on sexual trauma awareness. I'm a survivor of sexual assault, so this series was very important for me to make to help get this information out there. I highly encourage you to listen to the series. There's so much helpful education in it. So thanks for listening to this episode from my old show, as well as listening to episodes of my current show, The Courageous Worth Podcast. Welcome to the Restoring Heart Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Baxter, and every Thursday, a new episode is posted to help you restore heart to your life and to the lives of those around you, because our hearts are valuable and desperately needed in this world. Hey, everyone. This is your host, Ashley. Today's episode begins a series that is personal to me and important for everyone to hear. This month is April. And April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. If you've been here a while, then you know my story and that I was sexually assaulted in 2013. That day changed my life forever in countless ways. But there is one way in particular I want to share with you today. Before that day, I held many misconceptions about sexual assault. Misconceptions that I have come to realize are not only false, but are also damaging in horrific ways. You may be thinking, okay, this is something she's very passionate about because of what she's been through, but I think she's exaggerating a bit because of how close she is to the issue. I wish that was the case. I wish it wasn't a big deal, but it is. I hope you will stick with me through the entire episode to give me a chance to explain, break down some of these misconceptions, and show you how you can be part of the solution simply by no longer holding on to these misconceptions. But before I do, I want to share with you the other episodes that would be part of this four-part series. Next week's episode, episode 22, will be with Crystal Sutherland. She is the author of a book called Journey to Heal and the founder of a nonprofit called Journey to Heal Ministries. They help women heal from past sexual abuse through her book and group environments. They have just launched a campaign called End One in Ten. It's in regards to the statistic that one in every 10 children will be sexually abused. She'll be on episode 22 to share about the campaign and how you can be involved. The episode after that will be episode 23 with the director of a child advocacy nonprofit in Wilmington, North Carolina that helps children who have been abused. The episode is filled with so much priceless information that every adult needs to listen to. You may be a child's only voice to help remove them from an abusive situation. I just recorded the episode yesterday and you do not want to miss it. Then the last episode in this series will be episode 24 and is with a SANE nurse. SANE is an acronym. It's S-A-N-E, and it stands for Sexual Assault Nurse Examiner. 
SANE nurses are registered nurses who have completed specialized training in the medical, psychological, and forensic examination of a sexual assault victim. The reason that episode is important is because there are options we all need to be educated on in case something ever happens to us or to someone who confides in us. There is a short window from when an assault happens to when evidence can be collected, which is why, unfortunately, we need to be educated beforehand. That episode will educate you to make the best decision for yourself should anything ever happen to you, or you may be the one to help educate someone you know who was just assaulted on their options. I hope you will turn in for all those episodes in the series. You have no idea how important they are and what a crucial difference that knowledge can make in your life and in the lives of others. One last announcement I want to give is that this month I will be launching Haven. Haven is an online space for survivors of sexual trauma who identify as female. It will have a ton of videos to work through different aspects of healing, as well as a community of other survivors to be a part of if wanted. When I would run a support group for survivors, I would have eight people sign up, but only two people show up. It was just too big a step for those other six to show up in person and open up about this very vulnerable part of their life. And I completely understand, but my heart would break for those six. I knew they still want to take steps, but an in-person group was too much. This led me to create Haven. Survivors can access it from wherever they want. If they want to engage in the online community of survivors, and they can, or if that's too much, then they can just watch the videos. I hope it'll be exactly what so many survivors have been looking for. It'll be launching on Thursday, April 18th, 2019. Stay tuned for more information by either following on Facebook at Ashley Baxter with Restoring Heart, on Instagram at Ashley with Restoring Heart, or by going to restoringheart.com and signing up for the weekly email. Okay, now let's jump into today's episode. I want to talk with you about how there are incredibly false messages in the media and the world that are very damaging to survivors and to those who know a survivor, which is everyone in the world. You may be thinking, I don't know any survivors, but I promise you, you do. Since I publicly shared my story, I have had over 50 people in my life show that they have experienced sexual trauma. 50. These are people I had known for years, some even decades, who I never knew this about before. So believe me when I say the statistics are true, that one in four women and one in four men have been sexually assaulted. If you are listening to this while you are driving to work, then look around and know that for every handful of cars around you, most likely one of those people have been sexually assaulted. Next time you're in a grocery store, work, or anywhere in public, know that you are surrounded by survivors. There are survivors in your life. And unless you have spent time being educated on the facts of sexual assault, breaking down the damaging misconceptions, there's a high probability that you are unintentionally thinking thoughts and speaking words that are harmful to survivors, but helpful to perpetrators. Because that is exactly what misconceptions do. Misconceptions about sexual offenses are incredibly damaging to everyone except perpetrators. 
Misconceptions distort the reality of sexual offenses in a way that shames survivors, misinforms others, and protects perpetrators. Perpetrators need sexual assault to be something that isn't talked about. They need victims to be shamed into silence. The more the attention is on the survivor, the less the attention is on the perpetrator. An example of how that plays out is victim blaming. A survivor once said, nobody asked what my rapist was wearing. Often when someone is sexually assaulted, they are hit with questions such as, were you drinking? Where were you? What were you wearing? Did you lead the other person on? Now I'll be honest, like I said, before being sexually assaulted, I too believed in so many of these misconceptions that are out there. I believe the misconception that a victim sometimes shares some of the blame, but it isn't true. And honestly, that was a real struggle for me in the aftermath of what happened to me. I kept asking, did I do something? Did I say something that made it okay? Was it a misunderstanding? The reason I was facing those questions and processing what happened to me, and I believe the reason why most people stand behind that misconception is because we want to live in a world where if you follow certain rules, then you can avoid getting hurt. We want to be able to point to something the victim did that was wrong because then it makes us feel safe so long as we don't make those same decisions. But the unfortunate truth is unless you live on an island where you are the only person there, then there isn't anything that could 100% guarantee you are risk-free from ever being sexually harmed. I think another reason people lean to blaming victims is because it's also so hard to comprehend someone is capable of such evil. I know that was a very difficult part for me. I always have said that if I had been raped in a dark alley at knife point by a stranger, then I think it would have been easier for me to not have those questions of, did I say something that made it okay? Was it a misunderstanding? Instead, it happened at a high-end spa that I had been to for years and loved. It was a place where I felt safe. It was a place I went to once a month. And this wasn't the first time I had seen this particular masseuse. It was the third time. He didn't threaten me. He just all of a sudden, near the end of the massage, started sexually assaulting me. His demeanor never changed throughout the entire time. At the very end, he chuckled and said, that's all the time we have today. It was so confusing. He acted like nothing was wrong, like nothing had just happened. It felt like we were each part of two different realities. In the moment, I froze. I felt like my brain short-circuited. It didn't know how to compute what was happening. I know that sounds crazy to many people. People have said to me, why didn't you jump off the table? But the thing with trauma is your body automatically has its own reaction. The reactions are either fight, flight, or freeze. I didn't tell myself, don't fight, don't run, just stay there. It was my body's automatic reaction to freeze. There wasn't any decision making in that moment. It was as if I disconnected from my body. I just laid there and waited for it to be over. I was in shock, but not how I had always seen shock in the movies. I always thought shock was you sitting in a corner, rocking back and forth and barely able to talk. And for some, it does look that way. Instead, for me, shock meant I was still able to function, but my thoughts, actions, and words weren't lining up with what had happened. 
I called a girlfriend immediately after I walked out of the spa to tell her what happened, but I wasn't upset. I was bewildered and I even laughed. I told her, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. I remember her immediately freaking out. In that moment, I realized something isn't lining up right with my thoughts and reality. Again, I know that probably sounds crazy, but that is what trauma does. Oftentimes people say, this person isn't acting like a victim, but there isn't a way to act. We are all wired differently and our default reaction to trauma can be very different than someone else's. If a victim isn't meeting others' expectations for what a victim should act like, then the victim is sometimes accused of lying. If a victim decides not to report what happened to them, then they are often accused of lying. I think it would be helpful for me to try to paint a picture of what the aftermath of an assault can be like for a survivor inside. Now again, every survivor is different, but I would think that many could relate to at least certain parts of this description. Think of a time you've ever been dizzy and disoriented. Perhaps it was from a ride in an amusement park, or you got knocked down and rolled over by a huge wave in the ocean, or from when you were a kid and just spinning and spinning around. Now imagine if that spinning and disorienting feeling didn't stop. It just kept going. And the entire time, all these different voices are shouting at you. Some are your own and some are the voices of others. Some voices are telling you their opinions for what you should do next. And some are questioning your actions. Again, all of this is happening over and over again. At the same time, you have flashes of images, flashes of memories of what happened. Some of them are so real that it's as if the event is happening again. You experience physical pain and emotional pain. You feel like you just want to rip in two. If I had to roll it all into one scene, that is how I felt. That is what it was as if I was experiencing. And I'm guessing many other survivors would say the same or similar things. So imagine being in that state and trying to answer questions trying to make decisions about what you should do next, wondering if you should press charges. In an instant, their entire life has been turned upside down and inside out. Their concept of safety is shattered. Their view of their body is damaged. They are in a brand new reality and it is scary and it is vulnerable and it is unknown. Victims already have a mountain of pain and suffering to work through. But when we are also met with disbelief or being blamed for what happened, it is unthinkable. It is a breaking of a whole different kind of reality. People who we thought would support us don't. We have experienced one of the most gut-wrenching acts, and we expect that the police and everyone who hears what happened to us will be devastated and take action to do whatever it takes. But instead, survivors are often faced with being told they are partially to blame that there is nothing that can be done, or they should just forget about it and move on. I hope you're getting a glimpse of how these misconceptions are so damaging to survivors on top of everything they have already had to face. I always say I had to fight two battles in the aftermath of being assaulted. One was my personal healing from being assaulted, and the other was dealing with the reactions of others. That is how big a battle dealing with other people's reactions was that I really saw it as its own separate fight and how it affected me and having to deal with it. 
And I actually did not have it anywhere near as bad as some other people. Thankfully, the vast majority of people I confided in were very supportive and helpful. But that isn't the case for many survivors. And even though I had that helpful community, there were still so many misconceptions I had to correct in other people or endure from other people. Now, as I said in the beginning, misconceptions about sexual offenses are incredibly damaging to everyone except perpetrators. We've talked about how they are damaging to survivors. Let's talk more about how they aren't damaging to perpetrators. Perpetrators need sexual assault to remain something you don't talk about. They need you to think that their heinous crimes only happen according to the misconceptions, that it could never be someone who is trusted and thought well of by others, that there are certain places where something like that would never take place. When we hold on to misconceptions that all assaults happen in dark alleys by strangers, then when a victim says they were assaulted by their gym teacher, their youth group leader, or their father, then our brains have trouble computing it. That victim could be faced with responses like, how dare you? That person is one of the most loving people out there. You're a liar. Typically, when a victim is responded to in that way, they then decide to remain silent from that point on. The pain and damage festers and continues to wreak havoc in their life. Perpetrators are master manipulators. A lot of people think that when someone commits sexual assault, it's because they have these uncontrollable sexual urges. But the reality is that sexual assault is all about control and demeaning the victim. It just so happens that sexual harm is the avenue that those perpetrators chose. The vast majority of assaults are committed by someone the victim knows. They are often people who are very likable, people who are very easy to earn the trust and esteem of others. When we don't allow those truths to be part of our understanding of how a perpetrator can also be, then we make it very difficult to believe a victim when they come forward about someone who we think would never do something like that. Think of Larry Nassar and all of the gymnasts he sexually assaulted. That one man was convicted of sexually assaulting at least 250 gymnasts. 250. Most perpetrators don't just harm one person. They typically harm many and will keep on until they are stopped. Allowing these misconceptions to remain and blaming victims creates a thriving environment for perpetrators. But we can help change that. You can help change that. Here are two ways you can help. Number one, educate yourself on misconceptions. It is as simple as Googling misconceptions of sexual assault. You could even go to my website, restoringheart.com, and it breaks down some misconceptions. Also, during the month of April, I am posting about different misconceptions every Monday. Each Monday, I'll post a common misconception, what is the actual truth, and what is the damage done if we believe that misconception. Again, you can follow along on Facebook at Ashley Baxter with Restoring Heart or on Instagram at Ashley with Restoring Heart. Number two, speak up at any time you hear people voicing misconceptions. The truth is that misconceptions are truly that, false information that people happened to learn. But as we've talked about today, that 
false thinking is damaging on so many levels. By educating yourself, you're able to then educate others. The more misconceptions that are replaced with truth, the safer we make this world for survivors and the scarier we make it for perpetrators. There are two more misconceptions I want to provide some clarity before we end today. First, as we've said, a common misconception is that a victim may be partially to blame because of what he or she was wearing, doing, or saying. But the truth is that there is nothing any of us can do that could compel someone else to sexually harm us. Please let that sink in. There is nothing someone can do that has the power to compel someone else to sexually harm them. That is what we are in essence saying when we are victim blaming. We are saying that a victim's clothes gave permission and compelled someone to sexually harm them, which is ridiculous when we take a moment to actually think that through. The other misconception I want to mention is a lie that most sexual assault accusations are false. The truth is that only 2% of reported sexual assaults are false. Notice that is of reported cases. The FBI estimates only 25% of assaults are actually even reported, which means that if 100% of sexual assaults were reported, then that number of false reports would be closer to 0.5%. The point is, our initial response to someone saying they were assaulted should always be to believe them. Always. I hope this episode has helped open your eyes and also helped show how you play a crucial role in the fight against sexual assault. I hope that you've seen that the reality is that we are already part of that fight. It's just which side you are on. Again, when we are not helping the fight, I know that it is because we aren't aware, that it's unintentional. We don't know that we're doing that. But that's why this education is so important. So we can see that by us not being educated on it, by us not breaking down these misconceptions, we are helping perpetrators. We are keeping things in silent. We are pushing down survivors from talking. We're silencing them. But the great thing is it doesn't take much. It just takes educating yourself so that you cannot be someone that continues to unintentionally stand behind these misconceptions. And it's very easy to educate others. You're just letting them know, again, these are things that people have learned, but they are false things and they are damaging things. So please educate yourself and then just spread the word whenever you realize that someone thinks something that's wrong, that when someone is believing one of these misconceptions. And if you see people making jokes that are based on sexual assault or sexual harassment, just step up and tell them to stop it and be like, hey, this is not funny. It is something actually very serious. Sexual assault isn't something to be joked about. It isn't something to turn a blind eye to. It rips a person in two when it happens to someone. Sexual assault thrives in secrecy and silence and victim blaming and in misconceptions. Please take a little time to educate yourself. It won't take long, but it can make all the difference in the world. My last request is that you share this episode. 
We need to break as many misconceptions as possible. And this episode is one of the ways we can do that. So if this episode has helped you gain more education and helped you see things a little more clearly, then please share it. Post about it on social media, text a friend, or find some way to share it with others. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for staying with me during this episode to be educated. Thank you for listening to the truth. Together, we can make a change. Until next week, I hope you will take some time to learn about some misconceptions. And I also, as always, hope that you will do something restoring to your heart and to the heart of someone in your life.